got here today by the love that Sarah and Davis have for each other. I can't believe I get to marry him. We're perfectly compatible in every way. Yeah, she just gets me, man. Someone to talk to all night long. Someone to talk to all night long. Early morning jogs. Sleeping in late. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll spend the holidays with my parents. We'll have one well-behaved daughter. We'll have four or five little dudes running around. He'll help me pay off my debt. I should probably tell her about all my debt. Is that important? We'll share a bank account. Obviously, we're gonna share a Facebook account. <laughs> do I need a friend my in-laws? Someone to do my laundry. Someone to do my laundry. Double income. Stay at home, dad. Meal planning, of course. Take out. The city. The burbs. Mission trip. Ski trip. Blue. Red. Cat. Dog. Fries. Rings. Potato. Potato. Minivan. Motorcycle. Two words. Finished basement. Two words. Man cave. Uh, he's so smart. Do you think that birds wish that they had hands? We're going to be so happy. We'll be so happy. I'm gonna crush it at being a husband. So much truth in that, isn't there? So much truth. Well, welcome. I'm Ryan, one of the pastors. We're so glad that you are here as we kick off this series, What Happy Couples Know. And I know that when we talk about relationship series, all the women in the room, you're like, yes, a relationship series. And all the guys are like, I was just starting to like this guy. I am not sure about this at all. See, ladies, there's something you have to understand about us guys is that we don't like to fix anything if it isn't broken, all right? We, we just don't want to. And in fact, when it comes to relationships, uh, the truth is, is that uh, we just want relationships to work. We really don't want to work on them. Does that make sense? And so uh, you have to understand that all the guys are probably a little bit on edge this morning, and so we'll give a little grace to the guys as we kind of move through this. But I'm going to answer the all-important question. Do we need to talk about relationships even if they aren't broke? And the answer is yes, because they are alive and they are fluid. And it is so important that we pay attention to our relationships. Otherwise, that is where they can begin to go off the tracks and become broken beyond repair. And so that we're, we're so glad that you are here as we kick off this series. Right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes. If everyone can grab those out, grab your pen. You can do some fill in the blanks as we go along today. Uh, we also want to thank our partner church, North Point, for sharing content with us that we're going to be using throughout this series. And we also want to welcome all of you watching in our parent viewing room. And uh, that's a great place to go if you have little ones that get fussy during the service. We just kindly ask that you'd walk them out the back door and we'd have an usher there that can show you where you can watch the service live with us and the kids can play with some toys and that kind of thing. Well, hey, for the next four weeks, uh, we're gonna be talking all about relationships, whether you're dating, whether you're married, whether you wanna be. Uh, and this is gonna be a journey that we're all gonna take together. And so today, I wanna take some time to just set up the rest of this series. And so today's gonna be a little bit light on scripture. And so if you say to me, you know, well, do you believe in the Bible? Do you believe in using it? Yes. And next week we're gonna look at a passage that's gonna help answer the tension that I'm gonna try to set up today. All right. Today is all about understanding the tension that every single one of us have felt or feel in our relationships. And it begins with this, your very first fill-in, that in every relationship we carry with us an imaginary box of hopes, dreams, and desires. Every single one of us carry in an imaginary box of hopes, dreams, and desires. Now, we may not even realize that we do, but we have these 
things and we carry them into every relationship with us. And if you are in a dating relationship, it'd be important to start talking about some of these. If you're engaged, for sure you should talk about these. And if you're married, you should know what your other spouse's hopes, dreams, and desires are all about. And so let me just explain a little bit of what I'm talking about with this. Because for every single one of us, when we get into a relationship, we imagine what that relationship's going to be like. We imagine what that marriage will be like. For instance, uh, ladies, this is, you imagined that your ring would be this size, right? When, when he asked you to marry him. Uh, we, you know, that was just an imagine, you know, you imagine that. Uh, we also have uh, imagined what our money will look like how much we'll need, right? This is a hope, this is a dream, this is a desire. And some of us, we just assume that our hope is like, hey, we're gonna have so much money, we're not even gonna know what to do with it, right? And so we all have the money idea of what it will be like. And then we imagine in our head, like, who's gonna do the cleaning, right? I mean, that's somewhere in your desire and your hope. Uh, maybe, you know, when it was growing up, you know, that was kind of worked out. And so you already have in your mind who's gonna do the cleaning or maybe who's gonna do the cooking, right? And so that's all, you've already imagined that. You already have a hope for that. Uh, for some of you, uh, you hope that you're going to drive something or not drive something. Uh, when my wife and I got married, I just said, listen, honey, I don't care what we drive, but I'm never going to own a minivan, ever. Not going to do it, right? Any guys with me on that, right? And I just put my foot down. I said, we are never owning a minivan. And because I wear the pants in the relationship, uh, we now own a minivan. And so that's what that is all about. But you have certain hopes and dreams and desires for what that is going to be like. Uh, maybe it's come when it talks about traveling and, you know, parts of the world that you're going to see. Maybe you have a desire to travel. And so you imagine what that will be like, how you and your spouse are going to travel all over the world and you're going to see exotic places. And so, I mean, that's in there. Um, and then it's, you know, like kids and you're like, oh, we should have babies you know, bigger than these, but babies, right? Maybe we should have babies, and you think, oh, you know, maybe we'll just, you know, we'll have a couple. You know, we'll have a couple babies. Uh, or maybe you're like, we should, you know, we'll just keep going till we get a boy, you know? So we'll just have more babies and more babies. And, and then finally you got a boy, and so now you have a basketball team, you know? And, and you imagine in your mind, you know, of what it's going to be like to have all these little kids, uh, guys in the room. You know, there's a hope of what your wife won't wear to bed, right? I mean, every one of you... <laughs> You have a hope of what she won't wear to bed. And all ladies, they're just thinking, you know what? He just loves me for who I am. And he doesn't care what I wear. He just wants me to be comfortable, right? I mean, come on, we, we have this in our minds. Uh, or what about when it comes to our calendar or our time, right? There's hopes, dreams, desires we all have for how we're going to share our time. You know, he's going to have his time. I'm going to have my time, you know. Or maybe it's calendar events. I remember when we got married, I told my wife, I said, listen, we only need to spend three holidays with my family and your family can have the rest, all right? So, like, we'll take Thanksgiving, Christmas, and Easter, and you guys can have the rest, all right? That, that leaves you with, like, Labor Day. Uh, leaves you with Memorial Day, like July 4th. I just thought that was a good compromise, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But we all have expectations of what our schedules and calendar and all that will be like. Uh, what about when it comes to conflict, right? We all have hopes and ideas of what it will be like, and, of course, our relationship will be different. We'll never fight, said nobody ever, right? I mean, that never came true for anybody. But based on maybe how you grew up, you think, well, you know what, if we're just gonna yell and scream and get it all out there, and the other, you know, and the other person is hoping and dreaming that, no, you know, we're just gonna be real quiet, and we're gonna be mature, and we're, you know, we're just gonna handle it like adults. You know, other people say, we just need to get everything on the table, and other people are like, no, let's just push it under the rug, and even though we trip over it from time to time, let's just leave it under the rug, right? So we have different ideas of what it's gonna mean to resolve conflict. Uh, and even this last one, this whole idea of how we're going to love each other and treat each other, 
You know, we have in our minds that I imagine that, you know, if she loves me, she would always say that or do this. Or if he really loved me, he would never say that. He would never do that. And so with that comes all of these different hope streams and desires that we carry into every single relationship. And there's a few things that impact these things. Some of it is culture, what we see in our culture, uh, maybe what we read about, what we see on TV, maybe even what we see uh, from other couples. Uh, but your next fill-in, the biggest thing that impacts our hopes, dreams, and desires comes from what we have experienced. It comes from what we've experienced. And you know that this is true because based on how your home was growing up, there were certain things that you looked at, Right? that you saw a dynamic between your parents, that you said, oh, I like that. I want a relationship to look like that. Or I don't want a relationship to look like that. For some of you, this was a good experience. You had good, healthy role models when it came to handling conflict or money or any of those things. For others of you, it was a bad experience. And you said, I don't want to do it like they did it. I want us to be different. And because of what we've experienced, your next fill-in, we are trying to recreate something or avoid something. Oftentimes, because we've experienced, we're trying to recreate something and we're trying to avoid this. Think about when you grew up, the things that you saw between your parents that you thought were good. You're like, we're gonna recreate this because I have special memories of this. These are some hopes, dreams, and desires that I have because I saw it growing up. Or it was really bad and so I wanna avoid that in our relationship. We are not gonna do that. And so you come in with a very unique set of hopes, dreams, and desires and I don't know when it all happens, but there comes a time for every single one of us, and I don't know if it's when we're dating, I don't know if it's when we get engaged, I don't know if it's when we're first married, but every single one of us take our hopes, dreams, and desires, and we hand them to the other person, and we say, make my dreams come true. Make my dreams come true. This is why I married you. This is why I'm dating you. And yet there's one thing that all of these things have in common. And it's that they all begin with me. This is what I envision. These are my hopes. These are my dreams. These are my desires. And we hand them off to the other person. And eventually, and, and these can be legitimate desires. These are good things. These aren't even bad things. But without even realizing it, our hopes, dreams, and desires get in, put into a box that becomes expectations. And they're no longer desires, and they're no longer just hopes, they're no longer just, just dreams. They are now expectations. So your next feeling, without even trying, our box full of desires becomes a box full of expectations. And we've all felt this, haven't we? the expectations, and it happens so subtly and we don't even realize it. In fact, when we hand off this box of hope streams to somebody else and we say, you know, hey, I'm counting on you, to you for you to make all these things happen. It doesn't feel like hope, dreams, and desires to them, does it? What does it feel like to the other person? It feels like pressure. It feels like homework. It feels like expectations but every time we try to recreate something or we try to avoid something 
It transforms our hopes, our dreams, and our desires into expectations because we want those things to come true so bad. We want to avoid those things so bad. We want to recreate that thing so bad that it becomes expectations for us. And what is expectation? Here's a good definition. Expectation is simply the strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. That something's going to happen or be the case in the future. And so we say to ourselves, well, it hasn't happened yet, but it will. Or she hasn't done that yet, but she will. Or he hasn't stopped that yet, but he will. We have these expectations. But when we pass these off to each other, the dynamic in our relationship changes in a huge way. And why does it change? Because we're not dealing with just one box of expectations. We're dealing with two. And we swap each other's boxes, and now the big eye is two big eyes, and when two eyes collide, when two sets of boxes collide, the expectations collide, which happens in every relationship, by the way. There's four things that can happen. There's four options that we can take when that happens. So we've all been here. We've all been in this, we've all felt the tension in our relationship that maybe we're not getting what we want out of the relationship. And so there's four different scenarios and how this plays out. Today we're going to talk about three of those, and then next week we're going to talk about the last one. And so let me just quickly talk about the first three things. The options when eyes collide, and it's right here on your notes. The first option is that I leave. I'm just going to leave. I don't measure up to your expectations right? This isn't what I envisioned for my life. This isn't what I envisioned for my relationship. These weren't my hopes. My dreams aren't being fulfilled, right? My desires aren't being fulfilled, and so I'm just going to leave. And we've seen people do that. In fact, all of us have had those temptations from time to time. Well, maybe the grass will just be greener on the other side. We say things like, well, he just didn't make me happy anymore, or she just wasn't a good wife, or he just wasn't a good husband, and so you know what we do? We pick up our box of hopes, dreams, and desires, and we take them to a new relationship, and we hand them off to somebody new. And we say, now I'm expecting you to fulfill all of these dreams, hopes, and desires. And that's why sometimes your second or third relationship often feels like your first relationship did. Because nothing ever got solved right here. So the first thing we do, the first option when eyes collide, is that we just leave. We just ditch out. The second thing that we try to do is win. Well, I just need to win in this argument. I just need to win in this situation. And then actually what we try to do is we leverage the four C's of an unfulfilling relationship. And as I talk about these four C's, maybe some light bulbs will go on for you. Uh, but the first one is we try to convince. We just try to convince the other person that my hopes and dreams and desires are the right hopes, dreams, and desires. In fact, we suddenly become like the world's greatest lawyer, right? And we have, we have exhibits A through Z of why our way is the right way. And we just try to convince them, convince them, and convince them until finally we've twisted their arm enough and they're like, okay, we'll go your way or we'll do your thing. The second C is we try to convict them if the convincing's not working, working and we try to leverage guilt, right? Well, did that ever work for your parents? Nope. Well, then that's not how we're gonna do it. We try to guilt them. 
Well, I really wish you hadn't said that. I really, really wish you hadn't done that. If you hadn't done that, we wouldn't be in this situation. We try to leverage this guilt to get our way. The third C is control. Right? We just think, well, if I could just rule with an iron fist, if I can just control the situation. And the fourth C is coerce. We leverage manipulation to try to get the other person to see our way of thinking, to get them to do what we want them to do, and so we just try to manipulate. Well, it sure does make me sad when you do that, or I sure would be happy if you would do this or say that. And so we convince, we convict, we control, we coerce. And finally, when you've done enough and the other person gives in, you're happy, aren't you? You are happy because you've won. You've won the argument, you've won the day, you've won the schedule, you've won about money, you've won about the minivan, you've won. But guess what? You're the only one who's happy. Why? Because it's really easy for you to be you. But it's incredible pressure and stress for your spouse to try to be you. And so when you win the argument, or you've explained it for a thousandth time, and finally they give in, you think everything's great, but it's only great because it's effortless for you. When your spouse tries to measure up to everything that you've dumped in the expectation box, they eventually give up because they just simply can't do it forever. And the other reason why this winning thing is such a difficult thing is that, it's your next feeling, that in order for one person to win, the other person has to conform. In order for one person to win, the other person has to conform. We become somebody we're not to compensate for somebody who won't accept us as we are. And this works for a little while, but eventually this breaks down. Emotionally, physically, romantically, it will unravel. When the eyes collide, and the expectations collide, we have an option to leave and just take a hike, we have the option to try to power up and win. And, you know, it's just power up, power up, power up. Whoever can power up the most wins the day. Or lastly, number three, what we do when our eyes collide is I compromise. I just compromise. And I think this is probably one of the biggest things that couples choose when they find themselves in so much tension and there's fighting and you just feel like you can't get along. We just compromise. And this is scorekeeping at its finest. I keep track of what you're doing and you keep track of what I'm doing and as long as everything's even, we're gonna be all right. And maybe you saw this in your parents' relationship and you thought to yourself, well, it worked for them. I mean, they weren't happy, but it worked for them. And so maybe that's what I'll do in my relationship. We'll split the time. We'll split the bills. You have your friends. I have my friends. I have my money. You have your money. You have your space. I have my space. We will just compromise until we have it all figured out. But that's not a relationship. You know what that is? That's fulfilling a contract. It's still all about me. That as long as you do your part, I will do my part. 
right? As long as you do what you say you're going to do, I will do what I say I'm going to do. Or do you remember last year, it was your turn, and now this year it's my turn? Or do you remember when we agreed that, you know, you would spend X amount of time with the kids, and I would do this, or, you know, you do the chores, and I do this chore? We're just splitting everything down the middle. And that might actually even work for a little while, but the problem is the marriage is still all about me. It's still about me and my hopes and my dreams and my desires that have turned into expectations that I'm now expecting you to fulfill for me. But when you're in a compromised relationship, there's a lot of tension and there's typically a lot of fighting that goes on between the people. You know why? Because when you have a contract relationship, the trust level gets very, very low. And that's why we score people. I just got to keep tabs on him. I just have to keep tabs on her because I just have to make sure that they're doing what they said they would do. And the reason I'm keeping track of it all is because I don't trust them. And when you have low trust, you have low intimacy. Your relationship is at an all-time low and you cannot possibly build anything significant when the trust level is that low. And you say, but Ryan, you know, I'm not going to leave, and so maybe I'll just compromise, or maybe I'll just let them win. But I'm doing it for the sake of my marriage. Have you ever heard that line before? I just want to save my marriage. The only problem with that is that nobody ever marries a marriage. And nobody ever dates a relationship. You see, nowhere in the Bible, your next feeling, nowhere in the Bible does it say to be committed to the marriage. Rather, we're to be committed to a person. We're not supposed to be committed to a marriage. We're supposed to be committed to a person. You see, I don't want my wife to be committed to our marriage. I want her to be committed to me. And she doesn't want me to be committed to the marriage. She wants me to be committed to her because either one of us could go out and get another marriage. That's not what we're called to do. We are called to be committed to each other. And so when people say, well, Ryan, I just want my marriage to work, or I just want my relationship to work, that's not a bad thing. I get it. I understand it. And you may even be able to figure that out. You may still end up in the nursing home at the end of the day, but it certainly won't be fulfilling, and it certainly won't be fun along the way. And God is inviting us into a different option. That when the eyes collide and the expectations are there, he's inviting us to a fourth option that's bigger than leaving and bigger than compromise and bigger than trying to win the day. Because he knows that when the eyes collide, we loses. When the eyes try to win out, we lose. And so this fourth option, it's an option that happy couples know and that happy couples apply to their relationship. And we're going to talk about it next week, okay? So, sorry, you can hate me. A little bit of a cliffhanger, I know. But you got to come back next week to find out what the fourth option is and how you can apply this. Because it's such a big deal and it's really going to take the entire day for us to walk through that. And so in the last few minutes that we have, I want us to really understand 
what this dynamic of moving our hopes, dreams, and desires from this box into the expectation box really does to our relationships. And it transforms it even in bigger ways than I think even we realize. Because for a lot of this, it's intuitive, and we know this, but we're being reminded of it in ways. Maybe I'm just putting words into something that you felt before but didn't quite know how to express. Because your next fill-in, when all of your desires turn into expectations, you actually have a debt-debtor relationship. You have a debt-debtor relationship. You see, whenever I hand you my box of hopes, dreams, and desires, what I'm really saying is, here you go, you now owe me. You owe me my hopes. You owe me my dreams. You owe me my desires. You owe me to provide for me. You owe me to handle conflict the way I've envisioned. You owe me a satisfying sex life. You owe me a certain lifestyle. You owe me a certain level of income. You owe me a meal on the table. You owe me clean dishes or laundry. And suddenly, we're in this debt-debtor relationship that says, because I've given you my box of hopes, dreams, and desires, you now owe me. But Ryan, isn't that what... Isn't that what a spouse is supposed to do? I mean, isn't that what their, isn't that their kind of their job to fulfill those things? Well, yes and no. Let me try to illustrate it this way. Let's pretend that this is a graph of all of your, all of your hopes, dreams, and desires. Right? All of them. Everything that you've ever desired, everything you've ever hoped for in a relationship, every, everything you've ever envisioned, it's now on this graph. And this is what we tend to do when we hand these off to another person and now they owe us. Is that we set our bar of expectation right above all of those things. And this is now what we expect the other person to do. So let me ask you this question and then it will become really clear. That even when our spouse fulfills something that we've hoped for, even when our spouse fulfills something that we've dreamed of, even when our spouse fulfills something that we have desired, how much gratitude do they get for it? This is a good spot to answer. How much gratitude do they get? None. They get no appreciation, no gratitude. Why? Because it's what I expected you to do. It's what I expected. I expected you to fulfill that hope. I expected you to fulfill that dream. I expected you to fulfill that desire. And because my expectation is way up here and all my dreams, desires, and hopes that were legitimately good things have been put into a box of expectations, suddenly there's very little gratitude, very little appreciation. In fact, your next fill-in. We rarely express gratitude for what we've come to expect. We rarely express gratitude for what we have come to expect. And so even when our spouse fulfills something, we're like, congratulations, you're now up to zero. <laughs> congratulations, you're now at break-even. 
because it's a debt-debtor relationship. It says, you owe me. Uh, when my wife and I first had kids, uh, we had two, our two boys very, very close together, 14 months apart, and it was intentional. And I don't know what we were thinking, but that was crazy. And so we had a 14-month-old and an infant. And my wife decided that she was going to stay home. And she, she quit her job, and she stayed home. And we just said, hey, we don't know how we're going to make it work, but we're going to try to make it work. And so I remember, you know, early on, I came home from work one day, and the house was a mess. And, like, there was toys everywhere and laundry, you know, piled up. And... Now, to my credit, I, I was like a really young husband, right? I didn't have much experience. I was inexperienced as a husband. And I said something, and have you ever said something that as the words came out of your mouth, you thought to yourself, this isn't a good idea. Have you ever thought that, but then it was too late? Have you ever thought that? And I walked in the door from work, and here's my wife, totally stressed out from dealing with a 14-month-old infant all day. And I said to my wife, what have you been doing all day while I've been at work? See that groan right there? I should have known that. I, I should have pre perceived that ahead of time. I wasn't smart. I was dumb. I was dumb. And have you ever received the death look? Anybody ever gotten the death look? Yeah, I got the death look. Yep, and I knew I had messed up, right? We've all been in situations like that. And here's the, here's the reality. For me to have a desire that when I come home, things are kind of generally picked up, for me to have a desire that some laundry gets done, that in and of itself is not a bad desire, but it's a terrible expectation. It's a terrible expectation. Because now I'm saying, you owe me. You owe me in this relationship. It says, I'm not going to thank you for when you do something because I've expected you to do it, but I certainly am going to ask you about it if you don't do it. That's what a debt-debtor relationship does. And this is something that some of you feel right now in your relationship. As long as you do everything right, there's peace. As long as you meet every expectation, every hope, dream, and desire, as long as it's all about the other person, boy, there's peace in the home, but there's not a lot of love. But if you mess up or don't meet the expectation or fall short, you're going to hear about it, and it's going to be negative. You see, if it's only a desire, if it's only a desire, if the hopes, dreams, and desires remain in this box, then I become appreciative any time any one of those come to be. I'm filled with gratitude because I wasn't expecting it. But when it's an expectation, I barely even notice that you did it. And nobody gets any credit or love. They're just trying to reach the bar that you've set so high. Your next feeling, you see a debt-debtor relationship eliminates the possibility of unconditional love. The unconditional love that we need, the margin, the grace that we need in relationships. You see, owe you replaces and eliminates I love you. I owe you eliminates I love you. In other words, it's Valentine's Day. Where are my flowers? Well, I can't give you flowers then because if I give you flowers, now it's a payment. That's all I've done. I've just met your expectation. It's my 30th birthday party, and even though I haven't communicated anything, my expectations are very high for what you do, mister. It's our 10th anniversary, missus. You better remember, and you better do something really big for that. My expectations are sky high. And you see, I owe you eliminates I love you. You can't even measure up, and so even when you do it, it all becomes payment. A box full of expectations undermines unconditional love, and it feels like pressure every single 
time. And so what's the answer? What do we do with our hopes, dreams, and desires? Do we ignore them? Yes or no? No, we don't ignore them. Do we deny them? No, 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 no. But here's what we do. We place all those expectations back in the box of desire, hopes, and dreams, and we leave it here. The way that we hope that we're going to solve conflict, the way that I desire that the calendar will work, we're going to keep that in the desire box. What I hope my wife won't wear to bed, we're just going to keep that over here in the hopes, you know, the amount of kids that we have. I mean, that's a desire and a hope, but I'm, I'm going to keep it over here in this box, all 12 of them, you know, and who cooks and cleans. I, you know, that's a desire, but I'm going to, I'm going to keep it over here and how we travel. I'm going to keep that over here and, and the ring and what we drive and how much money we have. I'm just going to try to keep it out of the box of expectations and keep it in the box of desires, hopes, and dreams. And then the question becomes, how do you do that? How do you keep it here and not let it sneak into here? Well, the answer to that question is found in the answer to the question that I'm about to ask you. And I'm going to warn you up front that you're not going to love the question I'm going to ask because intuitively you already know the answer. So how do we keep all this stuff in the desire, hopes, and dreams box? You just answer this question. What do they owe you? What does your spouse owe you? See, happy couples know, your last villain, that they owe each other everything but are owed nothing in return. Happy couples know that they owe each other everything yet are owed nothing in return. And I know it doesn't make any sense, but when you've seen happy couples, it's like in good times, they're happy. It seems like when bad times, they're happy. They just have figured out this mystery that they're owed nothing, and yet they owe everything to each other. And happy Christian couples follow the example that Jesus laid out when he left the earth, when he was about to leave, and he had his disciples all gathered together after he died and after he rose again, and he's about to leave, and he's already reduced 600 commands down to two, and he's about to reduce it further before he takes off, and he says, disciples, guys, listen, I want you to listen to this, and this is how I want you to live, and in fact, I, I just want you to keep track of one thing. All you have to do is one thing, and John, pay attention. John, write this down, because this is how I want everyone to do. This is what I want them to pay attention to. And John 13, 24, when Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you are to love one another. That's the command. That's the command that Jesus boiled this whole thing down to. And the key two words there are, as I, as I, as I, as I have loved you, you are to love each other. And so then it begs the question, how did Jesus love us? He laid down his life to the point of death and said, I'm giving my all for you. And Jesus says that happy couples will understand this mystery, that they owe each other everything but are owed nothing in return. And that is how we keep all of our hopes, dreams, and desires in its right place. And when your spouse, when your significant other fulfills a hope, there's gratitude and there's excitement because you never expected them to. 
when there's desires or dreams that are fulfilled, there's gratitude and excitement because you never thought that maybe that would become a reality. And so as we wrap up today, I want to give you two thoughts that I'd like you to think about this week. And then next week, we're going to talk about the fourth option that happy couples know and apply to their lives when their expectations and eyes collide. And this is the thing that can change everything in your relationship. But two homework thoughts until we get there. The first one is this. What is in your box? I want you to think about it and define it. What is it? What's in your box of hopes, dreams, and desires? And then the second question is this that I want you to think about. Am I expecting anyone else to carry this around for me? What's in my box? And am I expecting anybody else to carry it for me? Good? Can we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love us so much that you are willing to send your son to die for us, to take all of our sin and brokenness upon himself so that we could really understand what true love is all about. And I know as you look at our relationships, you're cheering us on, wanting us to succeed. But I know you want us to apply this principle. We'd learn to lay down our lives for each other we'd learn the mystery of owing each other everything, yet being owed nothing in return. And so I pray this week as we process these things, that you would do something new in our hearts that would set our relationships up for success. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.